friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your hand sanitizer. <laughs> okay, so um, it's crazy right now. Uh, I've been in New York, and it is interesting being in the biggest city in the country during something like this. You know what I'm talking about? Of course, I was going to make a joke, but it's not funny. The coronavirus. I hope you are washing your hands. I hope you are being careful. We are so fortunate our tour ended right before all this went down. My friend Watsky's tour has been canceled. Stuff has been canceled. I mean, uh, South by Southwest. But really, other than events being canceled, it's just sad that people are suffering and dying. And uh, But it's not all doom and gloom. I think people are being cautious. I hope this week we are able to be a little more free. I know every media, every social media, every podcast, everything is talking about the coronavirus. I wanted to do a parody of um, Buster Rhymes, Wuha got you all in check. Wuhan got you all in check. But I thought, nah, not good taste. I thought about it for about a minute and I was like, no, we are going to pass on that concept. Um, but keeping it moving, I hope seriously you're all staying safe and I hope you guys aren't feeling isolated. I'm going to be doing these things called the Lit Hop Lockdown Live streams where I read a book, do a little freestyling. I'll read it like a short story and talk about it. And it's going to be every day this week. So people who are working from home, check that out. Of course, I've got my Guardians of the Galaxy song dropping this week. I just got the first mix and I'm tweaking that and then Guardians of the Galaxy 2. So patreon.com slash mclars if you want to check out a bunch of MCLR stuff you haven't heard. I don't know. This is like a time to, we're so connected, we can go deep with like things we need to catch up on. And um, speaking of Patreon, this week's episode is brought to you by the Patreon Larshan of the, of week. the week. So uh, this is Todd in Orlando, and he's always been a good friend of mine, and a, he's a great supporter. So this is his message about a funny day we had. Hey, what's up, Larshan? This is Todd calling from Orlando, Florida. Uh, I am wearing a joyful smile today and have been all day because I had the pleasure of seeing MC Wings and Schaefer the Dark Lord last night on the Baby Yoda campaign trail. Um, fantastic story. I had the best time, um, as always. Uh, I wanted to call and tell you guys a story uh, about um, my first time hanging out with, with Mr. Lars. The first time I ever met Lars was um, at a... In 2012, uh, he was touring with Jonathan Colton and I Fight Dragons, and the show, of course, was incredible, high energy. It was just fantastic. I had a really great time, um, chatted after the show, and, and I've had the opportunity to become friends since that time, and um, the energy and the warmth and the, the passion for what. Lars does on stage it just infuses every aspect of his life. He's a really incredible person and uh, a fun, fun, fun guy. Um, the first time we ever hung out, we actually went to Disney World because Orlando, um, and went out and did the rides and the parks and the whole thing. And um, I remember as we were on our way to the first park, Lars had posted uh, posted something on social media saying, "Hey, if you." If you're coming out to Disney World today, come find me. And if you come up and give me this passcode, then you'll you'll uh, get a, a, a USB full of my music. In my head, I thought, 
this place is gigantic. Nobody's ever going to find us in this park. Um, but we were two minutes inside the gate when the first person approached us and said, hey, here's the password. And, uh, and um, it blew me away. And then, uh, of course, throughout the rest of the day, we continued to have people join our, our little ragtag group and and, uh, and and come through the parks with us. And what really um, amazed me and impressed me was, you know, that could have been a, a, an easy moment to just go, oh, hey, here's, uh, here's your USB, and thanks so much for being supportive, and I appreciate you, and have a great day. But instead, I gathered those people together into a group. We did the parks together. Everybody went to lunch, hung out, chatted, had a great time. It was really just, like, a wonderful experience uh, for, for everybody all around. And, um, and um, that's... Uh, that's something that I thought was really impressive and, and great. And something that I, that I hear in the podcast now as well, that, that same warmth and compassion and empathy for others and uh, genuine curiosity about the lives of the other people, that's, that's what makes the, the podcast so enjoyable to listen to and, and um, keeps, keeps me coming back. Lord, I love you. You're, um, you're good people, and uh, I, I love that... Uh, they're continuing to do incredible music and, and produce things that are, that um, that drive passion in you and and connect with the audience. It's really wonderful to see. Um, and for anybody who's listening to this message, if you're anywhere near the Baby Yoda campaign trail, um, go see a show because you won't be disappointed. It's uh, fantastic. Thanks. Have a great day. Thank you, Todd. I love you, buddy. Thanks for calling in. I hope you're doing okay down in Florida. So this week's uh, episode is brought to you by the Patreon Larsons. As always, I want to shout out the new ones. Sarah, she just signed up. Matthew and Lucas, those are the new ones. Shout out to them. And shout out to the OGs, Raphael, Naomi, and Andrew. If you want to hear my entire back catalog and maybe sign up and get pins, exclusive pins, merch, whatever, and uh, go to patreon.com slash mclars or mclars.com, links to it, and that's all I'm going to say about that. No need to plug that anymore. This week's guest on the MC Lars podcast, episode 81, it is March 16th, 2020, and uh, we have Zach Vetter, and this couldn't be a better timed interview because Zach Vetter is a sustainability educator. And um, he speaks at this thing called the Dry Climate Forum. He's an entrepreneur, and he's a really dope dude. He lives in Carmel Valley, which is where I spent my middle school and high school years. And we did a lot of projects together. He was like the first official MC Lars archivist. And if you email him, he well don't don't email you. Should, yeah, email him. He gives his email address. Um, he has so much rare, unreleased MC Lars stuff. Some stuff that I don't even have. He's the, He was smart enough to back everything up on a drive and then burn me DVDs and put it in the cloud before I'd even thought of doing that. And my CDRs of my first stuff, a lot of them stopped working, but Zach Vitter had copies, so shout out to Zach. Anyway, it's a great conversation about truth and family and uh, sustainability, and he's just a, a great friend, and I don't get to see him a lot, but he surprised me coming to my New Year's Eve show, and then we kicked it at his compound, his ranch in Carmel Valley the next day, and uh, Zach Vetter's a great dude, so check it out. This is my interview with the legendary Zach Vetter, and be sure to tune in to the Facebook streams this week, Lit Hop Lockdown Live with MC Lars, and uh, 
yeah, you'll learn in this episode ways to start living off the grid because maybe we all have to start doing that very soon. Okay, here we go. Zach Vetter. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here with the Carmel Valley legend, a man I knew for 20 years plus, Zach Vetter. Good afternoon, Andrew. How you doing? Thanks for being on the podcast. Anything. It's always good to see you again. It's been quite a while. It's been a long time. We went to high school together. We did many projects together. We did. I had the opportunity to do a lot of things with you. Things I wouldn't have done had it not been for your creative inspiration. That's what's up. That's right. You're doing sustainability. Somewhat, yes. That's what I'm doing. I'm working on the ranch, getting the place made energy efficient, and I'd like to make it power itself off of the energy we can get from the property itself. You are, you've always been into motorcycles, right? Very much so. How, how old were you when you first rode a motorcycle? Oh, geez. Older than, younger than I can remember. I was, I think I started when I was four or five. My dad has pictures of me riding around on a quad. What's a quad? Quad's a four-wheeled motorcycle. That's what's up. Yeah. And you grew up, you were born where? I was born in San Luis. And then when we were two, when I was two, my parents were older than two. Uh, and then Fred Zida was born in St. Louis. That's what he told us, if we're to believe what he says. So Fred Zida is a friend of ours who uh, went to high school with us. Last night you came to my show at First Night Monterey. It was so special to see you there. I'd missed you for a couple of years. I know you've been busy doing other things, and it's really good to see you come back out again. I'm going to cry. Oh, no, 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 not now. Out of happiness. Okay, good. Um, one of the projects we worked on in high school was the infamous John Brown <laughs> reenactment video. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. I loved that. Which... Was John, for those of you who don't know, John Brown, I did a song about him. He was a Southern abolitionist who tried to lead a slave revolution. So we bought a Confederate flag, covered it in kerosene, and lit it on fire on your property here. <laughs> among other things. And among other, we did a. You, <laughs> there were some people who lost their lives on film, but not in real life. And I believe whatever you used for, for, the, for the fake particulates was tasty and there was some outtakes of you nibbling on oh yeah we, we made brains look like cheese from <laughs> it was, safeway it was like cheese or something. ketchup a and cheese ketchup. a cheese ball that's what it was it was super hokey and there's a picture of you nibbling, mm, so violent and then and then this you know we showed it at martin luther king day the assembly <laughs> because he's an anti-racist <laughs> and people were people weren't happy well a kid went up to me and went it's Martin Luther King Day. It's not Jim Carrey. Because I was John Brown, but I was trying to play it up comedically. Um, he said, that, he said that that blank was out of line, dude. It was, well, some people just, they have, their big brains are big, too big. You know, uh, it's nice. They don't appreciate, you know, the things that we try. I mean, it was cool. I liked it. It was very, it was a very educational thing. It was not trying to make fun of. It was not trying to rewrite anything. It was explaining things for what they were, but it was done in a contemporary way. I liked it. I know that it was a little bit, Tense because what Columbine happened just a few years earlier or something. Had it, oh yeah, and it like, was well. They to be fair, that school let us have a paintball club. Like they let us have a sponsored paintball club that was out and shoot you know paintballs at each other, which was fun. We didn't have any problems with it, but right. I mean you can imagine the risk. Well, it, it it was a different time, man. It's interesting to think about our life in the nineties. You can be mad about it, or you can be happy about it, and you can take part in it, or you can stand against it. But but regardless, you know it is what it is. You grew up religious. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, it depends on what that means. Like, I didn't have to worry about putting the prayer shawl on, if that's what you mean. What's your faith like these days? The faith, I still would be considered a Christian. It depends on what you're talking about and what you're doing. A practicing Christian, um, I believe what the Bible says is the inherent word of God. Um, 
that's you know that's a point that's kind of dangerous to say nowadays. You might right. people are mad at you. Same way, a divided country. You know, you got to yeah. people are okay as long as you don't tell them anything about yourself. You don't stand for anything, and as long as you just know oh, it's all okay, then the people might be okay with you. But but then the other thing you can't walk away because we got microphones here. But did you see yeah. the, the the poster I have on the wall? The anti-Nazi poster. Yeah, the one that, that it's basically an American flag with a with a swastika in it. But the and it's put it and it's and it says underneath it, "Are we next? Be aware." Like it's meant to right. be. It was like 1967. It's a it's a beautiful poster. And I think like that kind of thing, somebody might burn that because they don't even have a clue what I'm, they might think I'm a white supremacist. They don't even understand what I'm looking at. Like, but you're not. It's not. It's 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 to remind us that history repeats itself. It's not as though we just learn from it and move forward. A lot of right. times we repeat it and it's sad to see, but it's reality. We got right into it, right into the deep flavor. Wherever you want to jump into, we have, it's all the deep end. Going back to what we were talking about, sustainability, motorcycles, your family and your brother and you, right, work on electric motorcycles, mainly him or- Quite a lot. So, yeah. so the the closest thing right now in 2019, 2020, where we are now, um, my brother started working with Brandon Miller, who is a very talented guy. We were introduced to him by a mutual friend, and Brandon had the idea and desire. He'd been racing electric motorcycles. He'd been working on electric motorcycles, and he was building chargers for electric motorcycles. Right. Um, he convinced Morgan and I to start working with him on stuff. I already kind of have a full-time job between the shop and my computer work, but- Morgan had a lot more free time available and he was very interested and Morgan has since become basically Brandon's right-hand guy working on chargers, working on motorcycles. He's learned a lot about the industry. It's all in its early stages. I would liken the electric vehicle uh, industry to very much what the um, horseless carriage industry, aka vehicles, internal combustion engines were back in the teens. It's all in its early stages. Everything you see here, it would be like me bragging to you about, Andrew, someday my Model T, I'll be able to drive coast to coast and there'll be stations at every corner with big tanks of gas where I can refill. And you're like, ah, Zach, you're crazy. My horse can eat grass anywhere in the world and it's already set up. How do you expect this to change? The same thing is true here. I'll say one day, Andrew, these electric vehicles will be around and you go, ah, it's crazy, Zach. I can fill up my gas tank. It's it's coming. And the, and the stuff that's right. out there, all the bikes, all the things that are out there, no matter how exciting they are, they're they're pathetic. The, the, you'll, they'll be, I'll be the guy who 10 years from now, they'll be like, hey, old man, what are you doing on that old 2014 tricycle thing? Like, like that was a great bike back then. Like, well, you just don't know. And I'll be that old guy who's like throwing batteries to the kids saying, get off my lawn. <laughs> You've been known to uh, borrow Teslas and crash them. Uh, uh, no comment on that. If, if uh, Mr. Musk is listening, I'd like to say, I think you make a fine vehicle and I think you're doing a great job for the world. And I think you make a great product. But actually the, the, the story is, is that uh, there's a dealership nearby. And when Tesla started making an SUV, which is what my mother needed, um, the Model X, I started looking at them more seriously because one of her cars was getting older and she was looking for something. And I, I said, this is the way we got to go. This is the right way to head, um, not only for the environment, but because the car is a magnificent car. And there's a lot of things we can go into. But the dealership at the time, when they had a dealership, Tesla has since sort of done away with that. Now they sort of buy online direct, cuts their cost down. But when they had a dealership, there was a uh, the guy who was in charge of the dealership was a man named Sean, Sean LaFond, a great guy. And he was very, very generous and considerate with us and allowed us to test drive vehicles. And one of the times when they allowed me to test drive a vehicle which was their flagship P100D Model S, which was like a $150,000 car. <clears throat> what happened was we got on the on-ramp and uh, there were some potholes that were there and these had low-profile tires, these real thin tires. Actually, it might have something to do with this rim right here. Yeah. And real thin Z-rated whatever they are and we went bump, bump over it and it said, 
Warning, low pressure front right, low pressure rear right, 18, 12, 4, 3, 0. And I'm like, oh, crap. So we pulled off to the side of the road. It's Sunday night at 7 p.m. I'm supposed to return this thing. And I pull over, and the front and the right and the rear right side were both flattened. There's a ding in the rim, and I'm like, oh, no, what am I going to do? So I called Sean and said, here's what happened. He was very nice. He towed the thing back, and I came in on Monday, and they said, okay, here's the deal. Um, we, uh, you, you flattened both those tires. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you, by what driving on a highway you shouldn't have driven on or what? I should have avoided them. I should have gone around like the pothole wasn't so big that I couldn't have avoided it. Okay. It, just, it hit the edge of it. So I could have dodged it. Anyway, the point is, is they said, okay, well, these tires are about 650 bucks a piece. And I said, okay. And, uh, I said, what's the rim? I said, well, the rim is, uh, 1400. And I said, Ooh, okay, well, uh, I'll just take care of it. They, they were very nice about it. They actually covered the cost of the tires, but they said, we can't cover the cost of the rim. So you had to pay like five G's. So I said, so I said, uh, look, I'll do this on one condition. So what's that? I said, I want the rim. He said, okay. And this so use as a TV stand. TVs, this is my conversation. Piece. Wait, 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 wait. $1,400 TV stand. How many rims did you destroy? Just, just one. Oh, so it's just only 1400 So when you say you crashed a Tesla, you didn't like. It total, makes for a good story. You wouldn't tell the whole thing. No. You went to college in LA? I went to college in Santa Barbara. I went to a private school called Westmont, which is in Santa, in Montecito. And uh, beautiful. I think I think of Santa Barbara as a warm version of Monterey with everybody under thirty. You walk around, you're like, "Who's running this town?" There's all these like kids, like eighteen and thirty, right. wandering around. You're like, "There's no way these kids run this place." And you made some hilarious prank videos. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> did, depends on which ones we're talking did about. Did those ever get released? <laughs> no, no. Yeah, homie jumping off the roof. Oh, that was that was just snapping his leg. That was just that was just dumb on his part. That you was had just, a friend who would show you he could just jump off roofs, and then you have a video where he lands and his just leg snaps he, in half. He thought he could jump off his roof and he landed. That's brutal. And he literally snapped his tib fib. It broke right in half and it went into the ground. It was a compound. It was a, but it wasn't as though somebody dared him. The guy was like, watch this. And you're like, he'd okay. done it multiple times. Oh, it was, that was not good. That was definitely a college thing. And he wasn't even drunk. Or you're like, I think he was drunk. That's his hubris. Oh, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it made a very unpleasant sound. It sounds like a twig snapping. You didn't know what bone snapping sounds like a piece of wood. You snapping. never put that on the internet. No, no, no. I have it all. We That's actually, before YouTube. Back several years ago, my brother took a video of oh, yeah. um, the first opening of the Apple store. I met Steve Jobs and they just walked up to him with a camera impromptu and said, Hey, we have a question all of our viewers want to know. And, you know, Steve was like, uh, he doesn't, he's like, I don't, I don't like to be filmed, but, but he asked him a question before he pushed the camera away. <laughs> said, what was the question? <laughs> Boxers or briefs. <laughs> and he like, and, looked at the camera and like went, <laughs> and pushed it away. And he didn't answer it? No, he didn't. So who we'll ha- never know. Who has this video? Me. And you never put it on YouTube? No, because I wasn't sure if like Apple would attack me or something. Who knows what they do? Like I, and plus, you know, of course he died. And I thought, well, you know, you want to get in trouble. It's too close. People. You filmed this? No, my brother filmed it. And we're using the same camera we filmed with the oh, other videos. Uh, 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 so I don't have the, I have the footage though. It's on the machine. I'll show it to you. He afterwards. goes, he goes, I don't like being filmed. He goes, he's like, I- I'd be happy to answer. The I don't like being filmed. <laughs> and he records it anyway. Steve Jobs. <laughs> um, Zach, how do we stop gun massacres in America? I mean, let's be honest here. How many years have we been campaigning for peace? It is never works. Sol- is there a solution? There's, there's no, there's no solution that's right. going to fix the problem hundred percent. Like, right. let's put it this way. A lot of Europe has much more strict gun laws. Right. There's still people getting killed off there by guns. Would you say more people get killed in America? It depends on where you want to go with the numbers. And so what I'm, my, my point is not to say like, oh, it's all the same. It's like, my point is, is that when you, if you put the laws in mm-hmm. and it still occurs, mm-hmm. is that all we're looking for? In other words, I don't pretend for a minute like it's going to stop. No matter what laws you put in, somebody still did it. And Australia just had a massacre somewhere. Right, right. But I'm not pretending that it's the same amount. What I'm getting at is 
is it okay that they still happen? It's just putting the law in place saying no more and that it still happens. Mm-hmm. That's more of a moral question. It's sort of like the same people who are screaming about how, um, you know, pit bulls aren't dangerous. It's just the owners who are bad and you shouldn't be banning the dogs. because The dogs aren't doing anything. Those same people will take the opposite stance and say, guns are bad. we got to get rid of them. Like, they could flip-flop either way. Both of them make no sense. Like, you're literally, are you blaming the thing versus the actual person? Right. Like, I don't agree for, disagree for a second. So you go, all right, look, if you're going to ban the guns, you ought to also ban the dogs. But like, oh, no, we got to keep the dogs alone. But it's the same thing. If we didn't have those pit bulls out there, they wouldn't be killing anybody either. Right, But right. those people want to defend them. It's not, a, it's not a logical argument. It's an emotional argument. And so mm. because it's an emotional argument... It doesn't matter what I think. Like, here's the tough thing about it. Right. Uh, there was a person who, actually, is our neighbor, who is this really nice Mormon guy that I like, who gave me something and I'm totally plagiarizing and stealing from him. He said, if you make your area of concern concentric with your sphere of influence, mm-hmm. you'll live a much more satisfied life. Mm. So let's just go with this. Let's say you and I sit down and we hash it out. We got all the data and we go, we've got a solution. Right. We've got a solution to gun bonds. We're going to do this, this, whether it's banning them all, whether it's change. We got, now what? You don't make policy. Does it line up with our sphere of influence? Right. We don't have the ability to fix the problem. And we're allowed to vote in this country. Right. And as long as you do vote, you've done what you're allowed to participate in. Right. You can argue it should be more, it should be less. All I can do is, if you give me the ability to participate, I'll vote. If you don't give me the ability to participate, it doesn't matter what I think. Right. It's not my decision. Right. Like, it would be like me getting mad. Like, you know what? I don't like that polar bears eat seals. Like, this is wrong. Like, kind of outside my realm of control. Like, I could make it my life's work to stop that, but kind of not. But if I say, I don't like how much weight is on me, I, I should lose some weight. Well, that's definitely my problem. Mm. And and I think I should start with me fixing it. So I agree with what you're saying. We can stand on the issue in different positions. But whether you and I come to the same conclusion, even if I sit down and you sit down and you convince me of your position, whatever it is. Right. It doesn't, the laws don't get changed. The, the other people, not us, get to make those decisions. And it doesn't make a difference what I think or you think. Right. At the end of the day, you have to live your life and make take your precautions within the world we live in. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, right, right. whether you want to have them or not, because you can't fix the problem directly, all you can do is operate inside. Okay, I live in the U.S. This is how their laws are. Right. I don't like this law or I do like this law. What can I do myself to protect myself as best I can or to live within inside those laws? Right. You know what I mean? Like helmet laws. That's a good one. We were just talking about this. My father had a terrible motorcycle accident. Mm. I can't argue with you that I think everybody ought to be wearing a helmet on a motorcycle. Right. I can't argue with it. Do I think there ought to be a law to prohibit people from not doing it? I don't even want to get into that that discussion. But yeah. what I point is, is that will I personally wear a helmet when I'm riding a motor? Yeah. Even if they say, oh, we've taken away the law. You don't have to wear a helmet in California anymore. I, I'm, I'm still going to do it. I'm still so, going to do it. So you consider yourself a libertarian? No, I don't like those guys that much either. Because those yeah. libertarians, they send like, they have this whole, this logic of you're kind of an island unto yourself. Like, I have my rights and as long as you don't infringe, but we're not an island to ourselves. No. We, we live, there's no matter how self-sufficient I make myself, I rely upon huge amounts of the infrastructure and people. I can't live like, I get to live my life however it is I want in this little sphere and then that's the way it is. And as long as I pay you money for the goods I buy, like that's our interest. It doesn't work that way. It, right. It, it isn't, it's a real simple way to put it. I like the the logic of it in the same way that, you know, a lot of people have very simplistic views about, 
right and wrong or morals. It's it's easy to not. Most people don't think about it. They just think about what they want. Like I found, at least in my experience. Tell me if you found something different. Not like the good kitty. The good kitty is good. Right. Um, most people they don't know much about an issue, but they do know whether it's good or bad. So if he's like abortion, like it's good or bad, or you mm. know, or, or, or Planned Parenthood, or, or 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 gun rights, or whatever the thing is, almost everybody you talk to will say, "Oh yeah, I have an opinion. It's this or this." Now, if you probe them and ask why, right? Usually, it's like, "Well, because it's bad, or because it's good." Like, but there's no substance behind it. Like, I can I have great respect for you if you can tell me, Zach, I completely feel different about you, and here's why: because this, 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 that. If you have a reason why you're behind your position, as opposed to like because I feel it's bad, like right. Well, I feel long hair is bad. Now, where do we stand? You should have short hair, you filthy hippie. Like, that's not a logical argument. That's just literally saying, saying it's emotion. Yeah, like, like this room should not be white because white is a is a terrible color. Like, why? Because it's a terrible color. That's your opinion. You can paint your room whatever you want, but it's right. not a logical argument. White's bad because it reflects a lot of light that hurts you. Okay, now you're making arguments that actually make Science, sense. Data More reasons didn't verifiable actual reasons why. So, and nobody seems to care about those things. They just go with. What's my opinion? Mm-hmm. Now I'll go look for data that supports my opinion. Mm. Climate change. Is the world ch- I don't believe climate's changing. Okay. I'm mm. going to go look for data. I'm going to do Google searches for data that, sa- that matches. And if you I find- You believe in climate change? I believe the climate is changing. Absolutely. Yeah. But my point is, is that- Do you think we caused it? We are part of it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But is it like we're doomed and in 10 years we're going to have, uh, you know, Judge Dredd or like America, you know, all the post, post-apocalyptic stuff? Nah. The sky's been falling for years. How about in 100 years? Dude, seriously, hundred years? We can't even predict fifty years. Interesting. Like, think about it this way: when you like, remember, the, think of the stuff you were taught as a kid. Yeah. Like the all about science, history. Uh-huh. How much of it is taught today the same way? Five hundred years ago, we knew the Earth was the center of the universe. A hundred years ago, you we knew that uh, there was no life in extra extraterrestrial planets. And one year ago, you knew you're the smartest thing in the entire universe. Like, imagine what we'll know tomorrow. Yeah. Like it's a, I'm butchering the quote, but the concept is the same. Everybody knows the right answer today, but for some reason, in ten years, it changes. Because we're continuing to learn. It's not an, and you're trying to make it into a moral issue. Like plate tectonics didn't even known about 50 years ago. Now we know about plate tectonics. Like interesting. So, okay. So the question is moral perspective. Like if you're reliant completely on your emotions, that is both like a primal thing, but also a potentially like limited thing. Well, it's, it's, this is where I'm speculating because I'm not. I mean, you can call me a philosopher in my sense that I think about things, but I don't have any degree in it. But what I'm getting at is this, is there's there's things that can be verified and checked. Like, I want to say two plus two is four. Well, we can kind of demonstrate that and go through the process. If I say there is a God or isn't a God, no matter how much evidence I provide for or against, mm-hmm. I can't prove it. It's not pop in the same way. Can you prove there is or isn't life outside the earth? No. We can make the argument. We can make all the cases. We can make you know, you bring a good point. I think there isn't. Still could be wrong. There's no way to verify it. At that point, that particular issue in the year 2020 is a matter of faith. Right. I've made the decision. I don't think there's life on a planet. I've made the decision there is a God. I've made the decision. Those are things that no matter how much information we have at present, who knows what we'll know in 20 years, but at present, we can't definitively answer that. And if you can figure out if the issue you're talking about is something that doesn't actually have a quantifiable, measurable, or or resolvable conclusion, mm-hmm. and it becomes, this is my opinion. How are you going to raise your child? You know, or how are you going to how are you going to you know how are you going to where are you going to live? Like those are those are decisions you can make a lot of decisions about, and factors you can think about. There's not an 
mathematically correct answer. Right, right. And since there isn't, you can say, I have reasons for doing it. Mm-hmm. But at present, we don't have enough to say, oh, we have worked it out. This is the correct way to raise a child. This, then, this, then, that. And if you deviate from that, it's wrong. Like, we're not, maybe someday we'll be there, but we're not there yet. So if you tell me something that's an opinion, you can have a different opinion than me. I'm curious to know why. Right. Well, because my parents said so, or because I read it in a book. If you can tell me why, and you can argue why, you can give me some information that's measurable or, or repeatable or demonstrable, I got a lot more respect for you, even if you have a totally different opinion than me. Right. But if it's like, it's bad because I don't like it, and a friend of mine got hurt once, like, that's an emotional argument. That's interesting. You know? and, and and then people, it's um, complicated by, people have these megaphones through social media and oh, all that. and sounding chambers. Like look, echo you, chambers. Yes, yeah. like the exactly the whole idea of like you can subvert like social media and 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 Google. I mean, the, the companies in general they want your business. They want to keep you en- engrossed. Mm-hmm. Stepping outside of even if there's some political bias, I don't even care about that. They're they naturally are trying to give you more of what you ask for. So if you're really interested in you know stuff that that is counter to climate change or counter to to abortion, whatever the choose something. Mm-hmm. You can start spec. You can start, you know, liking and disliking the things that don't match what you want. Whether the and the computer systems will further fill you with further reinforcing views, and pretty soon you're just in an echo chamber, like you said, of what you want to hear, living in your almost different reality. Like especially if you don't actually get out, if you live through the machine, you can argue that it's that it's somebody else's fault, or you can argue if you really are interested in finding out the answer. Then you got to look at the whole question. You don't start out right. with, I've decided, like, okay, what do you feel about this issue? It's wrong. Then you go out and look for your data to match that. Like, that's not how it works. That's not good science. You, you, that, but that's not how people treat it. People want to take science and turn it into religion. And I use that in, in, a, in a quick overview, but it's taking what, what's something. What's an example of that? Climate change. Okay. Humans are evil. Listen to Sir, Sir David Attenborough, arguably one of the highest thought of climatologists and climate. I believe one of his quotes that and you can double check with me on the exact verbiage is humans are a plague on this earth. Mm, now, you wouldn't agree. Well, hang on. If you didn't, what you, when you think about the word plague, let's think very carefully. When we deal with plagues, what's the solution to a plague? Eradication. Correct. But I have this really strong suspicion. Ain't nobody going to stand up and say it's time for you all to die for the sake of the earth mother. Some people would. I don't notice it working very well. For some reason, nobody's talking about it. So you don't take your time to protect the plague teach the plague, help the plague live harmoniously, you exterminate the plague. Right. Now, he chose his words carefully, I have no doubt. Uh He's not a fool. He's a very intelligent man. If he truly believes that, it says something very profound. Explain that. In what way? That he thinks humans should all die? If you think humanity is a plague, the logical conclusion to solving the problem ain't teaching humans. It's destroying humans. Right? You Is tell that where me. You're going? You yeah. tell me. It seems the logical conclusion. Maybe it's insane, but it tells you a lot about what the what the what the state of mind is, where the person's statements come from and arguments right. come from. Those things tell you a lot about where the person stands. Right. And there is that in 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 this issue of climate change and issue of energy consumption and overpopulation. There's a very large. Actually, I, I'm very fortunate. I was able to give a talk on this to what's called the Dry Climate Forum, which happens in California. Actually, there's one coming up this year. I'll be talking on on flow dynamics of pipes. But um, there is this very pervasive um, 
atmosphere of the the earth is going to hell and the evil humans are the cause of it. Mm. 100% it's decided. And the choices for the solutions for you, the individual user, are this. Either you can atone for your sins and pare down your lifestyle, whether it's eating vegetables, whether it's bicycling as opposed to driving a car, whether it's taking a shorter shower. Reduce your lifestyle for the sake of the earth. Mm -hmm. Or if you continue on in this path to destruction, we'll all be dead and it'll be your fault. And our children will be hiding from acid rain while they forage through the garbage worlds like they show in uh, 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 Blade Runner 2021, which is a fantastic... What was the next one? 2049? That next Mm. one? It was really good. Uh, All of these post-apocalyptic worlds, Blade Runner, uh, Judge Dredd. So uh, you're saying that's a negative fallacy that maligns humanity. What I'm saying is it's very convenient to make it an emotional thing to start out with the standpoint of we are evil. Look, a thousand years ago, there was monks who flailed themselves for the sins of humanity. Mm. I'm sure that was very nice and it helped out a lot. Is that actually a practical solution or is that just a like a way to make you feel like you've done something? When you look at the cars today, for example, mm-hmm. a lot of these cars have little leafs on them, eco boost and, you know, eco drive and it's little, still the same V10 diesel engine, but it's got a leaf on it. Well, I bought this new car. It has a leaf on it. You know what that means? It helps the environment. Right, right, I did right. my job. I've got my little right. pin, my little sticker that says. Now, there are easy ways to reduce your energy consumption, which we can talk about in a long time. That's not something to talk about now. But there's very boring, benign, easy ways to, to reduce your energy usage. The property here, it's, it's five buildings. Five buildings. I have 12 years of data of electricity consumption, wood consumption, gasoline, diesel, all of it. I can go back. I can give you the graphs month by month for 12 years now. It's really neat to see. Making the changes to our property. We have no solar panels yet. I have no solar panels yet. The energy consumption of the property has dropped by 59% so far. 59%. There are a lot of, we can go over the details of it. I didn't get a smaller house. I didn't turn off the lights. I didn't just say, I'm sorry, we can't heat the house anymore. We got to take cold showers. I didn't punish myself for the sins of being an evil and vile human. Now, to be fair, if we just offed ourselves and we had no more humans here, we'd use even less energy. Right. Can't argue with that solution. But I don't consider <laughs> humanity a plague. Some people do. Right, right, right. But if they do, they could always take care of the problem themselves and off themselves. <laughs> what have we decided is good data and bad data? Because see, and this is not to be a, a loaded like, I'm going to go hide myself in a corner and, and bypass this. Mm-hmm. It's going to be, again, I'm not treating you this way, but I'm pretending I'm speaking to somebody. I presume when I'm speaking to somebody, especially on matters like this where they're real sensitive and emotional, this is not a thing where after we're done talking, either of us are going to change our opinion. Mm. We've already got the right decision. I got two options. I can either come to your conclusion, which means I'm smart, mm-hmm. or I can disagree with you, in which case I'm <laughs> either a bad or evil person or an ignorant person, or at the very least, an uneducated person. And so the first thing I'd want to find out is what data are we looking at? Like who made it? Mm-hmm. What sample size? What are we deciding? Mm-hmm. Then after we look at the data and look at the information, decide, okay, this is what it says. This is what it doesn't say. Then we go with, do you think the increase or decrease affects what's out there? Like, do we think the changes in the laws that occur? I don't think there's any real correlation to demonstrate. Violent crime is down according to whatever statistics you want to believe on the FBI, as far as I can tell. Violent crime with guns is down overall. A number of people killed every year. But that's irrelevant because you can look. What I'm seeing now is mass shootings are up. Mm-hmm. Numbers of ma- Number of people dying from gun deaths is down. 
but mass shooting is up. So the question really comes down to is, first, we look at the data. What data do we want to look at? Mm-hmm. I don't think this is legitimate. I do think it's legitimate. Because that gives me an idea of what, what we're working with. Oh, I, I don't look at the U.S. data. I look at this newspaper's data. Or mm. I don't trust this newspaper. So I'm trying to find out if the data we're even looking at is even reasonable to consider. Because there's a, you know this on the internet. I can do data for flat earth. Lots of data. I can find all. Right, that, right. What is, what's the joke? There's, there's, there's literally millions of people around the world who are flat earth believers, like around the world. But that's my point is that if you want to find, like if you want to Google data, statistics are a wonderful thing. If you want to Google data that shows that, uh, that gun deaths are going up by a thousand percent, I guarantee you can find it. And if you want to find the opposite from an equally kooky site, gun deaths are down to all time low. And there's nothing else dying. You can find that data too. Right. When you look for something, let's just say you're looking for you want to know, I don't know, how to sew or something. You just Google it real quick. How do I sew, right? And right. But how much time do you really invest looking for a piece of information? When you're trying to find out an answer about something, for me, most of the time, it's like, you know, 30 seconds to five minutes at most. And that's my good deed for the day. Isn't it crazy that in the in this day and age, in this is the only time in history I'm aware of where, where information is almost democratically available, meaning mm. whether you're the poorest person or the most wealthy person, for the same cost, almost none, because of our cell phones and all of our technology, you have access for free. You don't have to go to a library. You don't have to drive somewhere. You could be in the most remote town in North Dakota or the biggest city. Everybody's got equal amounts of, inf- of information available to them, equal, almost no cost. Right. Like There's never been a time of that in history. Right. That's true. And never. You can argue even there's a lot of misinformation too, but I'm of the opinion, tell me if you differ, if you want to learn about something, whether it's how to weld, whether it's how to raise a kid, whether it's, you know, what's the best way to grow, almost anything you want to find, even moral questions, with not too much effort, we'll say at most a day of research, you can find all the evidence for and, and against something and kind of stare at it and come to your own conclusion. It's not as though mm. you have one data point and that's all you got to work with. We have Everything available to us. When I do my computer work, I'm I, my my work is to for people listening is to fix computers. I'm literally the guy your parents call when you they when you won't fix it for them, like other oh, computers not working and the phone won't do. Okay, there's so many possibilities for problems that I haven't encountered before. Very often I'll encounter a particular issue that I've never had before. This phone's doing this weird. What do you think I do? Well, you can answer that if you're under thirty. You just Google it. Right. Why is the phone doing? Oh, you do this. Right. Fixed it. Moving on. The information is is all in front of us. You don't have to. Fi- you have know nothing about fixing your car. Your Prius is making some weird sound. Oh, that probably means this little. But ba- you got everything available for you almost for free. That's never been the case in human history. Right. And yet, with everything right in front of our fingers, where we have the ability to educate yourself on almost any subject, mm-hmm. whether it's a moral issue, a social issue, or just a technical thing. How do I, you know, make a clay pot? Like anything. How do I make musical beats? How do you make musical beats? I don't know, but you know what? You know, Reason and and uh, and Logic Pro. I mean, boom. There you go. I, I could learn. Isn't that how you learn? You just learn totally by stealing programs. Well, that's not you. We don't talk about that. But the point hey. is, my point is, is that you didn't go to school to learn those things. You didn't you go to s- music school for you sure. You solved yeah. that problem yourself. In the same way, I wasn't taught how to do computer work. I learned it myself because you were passionate about it and you made lots of mistakes. And you were- my logic as a kid into my teens and 20s was. Andrew, you and I disagree on something. Well, I think I'm pretty smart, and I think you're pretty smart. So if you disagree with me, it's probably because you don't have enough information. You don't know the stuff I know. And once I explain the stuff to you, 
then you'll come to the conclusion because I'm smart. And, and once I explain it to you, then you'll under and equally, if you and I agree on something, then you must think the same way about all the other things in my life, which as you know, is a very silly, very infantile way to think. You and I might agree that, you know, we need smaller government, but you might agree because of reasons. I might say it's because they're all lizard people that are controlled by the satellites. You know, I could be completely nuts. We just happen to agree on something. Right. And so well, I used to spend a lot of time on forums talking about paintball. And what I realized, or at least I concluded, was most people aren't out there to find the answer or to resolve the problem. Most people are out there to confirm what they've already decided. Right. That's like, true. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter. Like, now, I can't control that. Now, I can do one of two things. I can badger you and harass you until you change, which is just going to irritate you and frustrate me. Mm -hmm. I can ignore you and treat you like scum because you're an evil person who doesn't do what you're supposed to and believe what I believe. Mm -hmm. Or I can just... I've given you the information. You conclude different. I can let it go. It, again, it's outside my sphere of influence. After I've conveyed to you what I think and I've listened to what you think, maybe you make a point and I change my opinion on something. I'd like to think that I'm able to look at that and listen to it. I'm human, which means I probably don't a lot of cases, but I'd like to think that if you can make an argument why it's worse or why it's better or why it should change, I'd like to hear the argument. But if it's just a, I just don't feel that way, I'd say I don't, I don't have any respect for that. Because it's right. it's not a matter of feeling. It, it'd be like saying, Zach, I feel your hairstyle is wrong. Like, okay, I don't care. Did you ever experience that time where when I realized the realization was people, a good portion of the people you encounter aren't after finding the answer. They're out to reinforce what they've already concluded. They're not there to, to accept new information. The decision is made. You have two choices. Agree with them and talk about how good or how bad that thing is. Mm-hmm. Or disagree with them, in which case you're either an evil person or an ignorant person or something that's not good, and they're not going to change their opinion. Once I realized that, I lost most of my interest in trying to proselytize to people because it's not a matter of logic. It's a matter of emotion. I would never spend my time arguing for or against gun control with most people because it's not based off logic. It's based off emotion. I would never argue about energy efficiency, and I'm not going to push it because, first of all, I can't change their mind. And since until you prove otherwise, I presume you're just going to make an emotional argument. What do I earn? Let's just say I can. I, we want to talk about what do I earn? What do I gain? What do I profit if I convince you on a particular issue or on opposites on? What do I earn? I earn the exact same thing as if I don't. Right. And if I don't, if I disengage from you, I can say, you know what? I can see you feel strongly about this. I feel differently. I don't want to, I'd really rather have our friendship than fight about it. Right. Not that we're doing that. I don't see a good benefit. Converting you or you converting me doesn't solve the problem. Right. And you can go, oh, it only takes a water droplet to start a waterfall and there's a, right. And I'll never win the lottery if I don't buy a lottery ticket, but I'm not going out to buy a lottery ticket. I'm mm. nothing against you if you do. I just, I'm going to go ahead and, and say right now you ain't winning the lottery no matter how many tickets you buy. It's just mathematically unlikely to happen. Right, Somebody, right, right, uh, right. But, oh, but you'll never know if you try. Right. That's a solid argument. It's like a sign of maturity to know that you don't have all the answers and I to be able know. to be able, no, you don't, don't think so? I don't so? know if I go with maturity. You're I, saying when you're 18, you didn't realize it. I didn't, I didn't real. I didn't, I truly believed everybody was, was, was ardently seeking the answer and they just didn't have the data. So is there a such thing as objective truth? That's a that's an existential question. 
Yeah. Do you think we're so? jumping all over the place? This is a fast. This is a big show. Oh, look there. That's the evil one right there. There's the evil anti kitty. That's the one that's, that's wretched, wicked. But that's again. That's a matter. For, There's no that's, answer to that. There, that's that's one of those ones where that's a matter of faith as well. Just like is there a god? Right. I believe there's objective truth, but see, whether I believe it or not, I can give you all my arguments. I can't prove it. In the same way, if you say, no, there is no objective truth. There's an emotional make, feeling. No, 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 no. There's no actual answer. There's lots of arguments. Like, uh-huh. for example, I could say, can you prove the sun's coming up tomorrow? No, you can't. There's a tremendous amount of evidence to suggest it will, but until that time occurs, there is no way to prove. Uh-huh. But there's so much evidence that to even discuss it is almost like, yeah, uh, I might n- stop breathing in five minutes. Like, I can't prove that it won't happen, but I'm going to go ahead and say there's so much evidence it'll be okay. I'll, I'll definitely do it. Right. So, so what I'm getting at is with objective truth or not objective truth, you can say, here's all the evidence I present to say why there isn't objective truth. This, 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 this. And you and I go back and forth and argue about it and come to our conclusions. You're an educated person. You know about sophistry. What's sophistry? It's using language to trick someone, right? But I, my understanding of it is sophistry is the art the art of arguing the weaker side. Like mm. in debate. Okay, oh, Andrew, okay. you're going to you're going to stand for why abortion is wrong and Zach, you're going to stand for a base, uh, why abortion is right. You got 15 minutes, go, make your argument. Mm. Whoever makes the stronger argument to convince the crowd is the quote winner. It's not actually necessarily about evidence if you happen to have evidence that's great, but sophistry is a little bit like almost like practicing law in a way. It's not a matter of necessarily mm. proving the right answer. It's making the stronger argument. It's about convincing people. Well, and the Greeks used to love it. The sophistry was almost like a game, a pastime. And for a lot of us, it is. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make an argument about why this should be this way, and you, you're going to agree it shouldn't be. And Debate club. Yeah. And I could get that. There's, there's a, there's a, it's, I call it mental acrobatics, where you're enjoying the challenge of winning. It's not a matter of, of finding the truth or the answer. It's a matter of winning the argument. Right. That's not the same thing. Like, the goal isn't to actually solve a problem. The goal is to beat the other person. That's a little different. Like, in the same way of reducing our energy consumption is not the same thing as improving our quality of life and reducing our energy. It's very different. Mm. And what you're after kind of determine, is determined by your actions. I'll never know... Just like you'll never know truly what's inside of my head. Like I can tell you and maybe I'm telling you the truth. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not even explaining myself clearly. And when I say it, it comes across incorrectly. Irrelevant. The only person who truly know what's in my head is me. The closest thing you as another human can do is look at me in my life. If you, What am I doing with my time and what am I doing with my money? If you're able to look at those things, if I say, for example, I really think it's important to help the poor. And you look at my life and you say, well, you know, Zach doesn't appear to spend much time or any time that I can see either working with the poor or soup kitchens or maybe organizing food drives or clothing or shelters. And I don't see that his spending habits include donating to charities that are helping the poor. Mm -hmm. Just because Zach says it, but his actions don't reflect it, I'd be concluding that maybe Zach doesn't care about the poor, at least enough to do anything meaningful for them. Mm. If my actions, my time and my money don't even moderately reflect what I say, well, then what does it matter what I say? Like, for example, if you say, Zach, if you say to me, oh, I really like music and I really like I really like literature and I like pairing the two together, you could be fooling me, but you've got about 15 years of evidence that really support that you like doing that. Right. Like, you, you've got me fooled pretty well if you don't actually like doing this. Your <laughs> actions and your time really reflects that. Right, that's interesting. So, you know what I'm getting at is, is that yeah. it's one thing to say it, Oh, I think we should do this. Yeah, okay, whatever. What do your actions show? Um, 
that's what's really tough about it. I don't like sophistry. I don't like mental gymnastics. When we go into an issue and we talk about it, in my, the first thing in my mind is, is there truly a resolution to this that we can actually discuss in this issue? And if the answer is yes or no, shift back to low gear, which is there's no solution. I'll give you my opinion of why, and I'll give you my thoughts on it, but it doesn't matter really because I can't solve the problem. It's outside my sphere. I'll tell you why I think the way I think, and I'll tell you why I don't like or do like something, and the reasons why, if you're interested in knowing, but I'm not going to really pursue it and chase it down. If you feel really strongly and you get more and more excited about it, I'm going to say, okay, I understand. It doesn't, I don't earn anything by converting you any more than you earn anything by converting me unless it's to win, which is sophistry. Mm, and so that's the whole thing about- When I get to be perfect, I'll start telling you about all the mistakes you're making and to show you how to do it the right way. But I have the strong suspicion I'm never going to get to that point. What are you excited about to accomplish in the coming months? This year, I hope to do three things. Um, I hope to, <laughs> I'm turning into an old person. I hope to repair the roof of the building we're in, in preparation for putting on our first 10 kW solar array. That's what's up. I hope to finish the insulation and the wiring of the main blue house so that we have hardwired gigabit ethernet and proper ubiquity wireless routers and to insulate it properly to reduce the energy consumption of it. If I get those two things done, I might even get to the point of being able to start charging our vehicles on site. We charge our, our Tesla at Tesla supercharging stations and I charge my bikes outside in the world, not on the property. We don't charge anything here. Because California has tons of free charging. And one of the biggest- it's free, secrets, I didn't know that. Well, there's, here's the crazy thing about it. Tesla, for, for the first, I don't know, when, since they started making these cars, up till about 2017, 2018, said, look, you buy a Model S or a Model X, we don't care if it's the low-end one or the high-end one, you get free charging for life. Again, research. This is all information freely available. Nobody does it because nobody cares. You can buy used Teslas. What does a used Tesla cost? Oh, I'm sure it's too expensive. Right, because you haven't looked. Again, this is all what this is it, information. What is it, 30000 $20,000? $20,000. If you sell your $80,000 car, you pass on the infinite free credit. If we don't like that car and we sell it to you and you drive it around for a few years and don't like it and sell it to me and I don't like it and sell it to that car, the VIN of that car, no matter how many, if you're the first owner or the 40th owner, whether it's 100,000 miles or a million miles, that car is entitled to free, unlimited, unrestricted charging whether you charge 10 times a day or 10 times a year for free. That car has free electricity for the life of the vehicle. It is not something that goes away. It is not something that changes. It is not something that is depreciated. I'm sorry, it's 2021. We're cutting you off. Until that car is junked, that car will get free electricity. That mm. car. Now, mm. in 2018, they like they, they said up front, we're going to stop doing this at some point. And they stopped in 2018. And then they brought it back. And there was a little bit of a change. But the bottom line is this. Again, this comes down to research. All this information is available. It's not, I don't have special access to Musk's inner workings. I just read and look. Go to, the, go to the actual dealerships and ask them. Go look online. They even tell you on Tesla's used inventory. It specifically states whether it comes with free supercharging or not. It tells you. It's not hidden like you have to look at a VIN and then calculate. No. You can, right? If I was looking, if you were saying, Zach, I'm considering an electric car, I would tell you, I don't even want to hear anything else. The only thing I would discuss is you're going to buy, if, if money's no object, get a new Tesla. But see, this is the thing. is it, and no, you're, But you're saying there's not a moratorium on those? No. So They just manufactured X number. In other words, okay, let's say they made 100,000 of these cars, right? Okay, all cars manufactured after this date no longer get free supercharging. Still the same car. You can still use our stations, mm -hmm. but you're paying for it. Mm -hmm. Fine. 
those hundred thousand cars un- until they get crushed, smashed, destroyed, and are no longer taken, no longer registered vehicles driving around. Those cars will continue to get free electricity endlessly. Like, do you remember when they first started doing the uh, HOV stickers and they were trying to push real foot right, hybrids? Yeah. And there yeah. was actually lifetime HOV stickers for those early Priuses. Those things are worth gold. That you could put another car. No, well, people tried to, but you know what I'm saying? They were originally yeah. for like those stickers. They only made, they only made them for a few years. We, we got an HOV sticker. It's only uh-huh. good for two years before it turns off now. Because uh-huh. that's that's the plan. They, they didn't change it. Those those old ones are still grandfathered good forever. Wow. They're worth a lot. People will buy Priuses with those stickers and they'll pay an extra thousands and thousands of dollars because they're worth so much more. In the same way, it's easy for people to see the tsunami when it's at their doorstep. Hey, look, there's this big wall of water. We should move. But if you get the alarm four hours earlier from the government saying, hey, uh, there was a, an earthquake in Fiji and within four hours there's going to be a tsunami. You need to move to higher ground. They walk outside and they look, it's a nice sunny day. There's no problem. What are you talking about? It's easy to think when there's a natural disaster. Oh, I better go down to the grocery store and get water and food. Hey, everybody else is down here and the place is, is all bought out. This is not fair. Somebody should do something. Like, It's right. easy 10 years from now. People be like, holy crap, did you know there was a car that had free electricity? Electricity is so freaking expensive If only we'd had an extra $35,000. If only, if only. Those cars will be bought up. Like as soon as the the uh, the, the uh, other Lexus we have here bites the dust and gets, gets all beat up and doesn't use, we're going to get a used Tesla. I don't care if it's an old, tiny, small one with a 60 kilowatt hour battery. Getting it with free electricity. It, it's nobody even knows what life cycle cost is. All they know is sticker price. It costs this much. Right. I have that much in the bank. What's it cost to maintain it? What do you mean maintain? I just have to buy it. Nobody thinks that way. There's no five thousand mile maintenance. There's no ten thousand mile maintenance. This episode brought to you by Tesla. Zach Better. <laughs> Full disclosure: Do not own any stock in Tesla, and uh, do not work for Tesla or paid as a subsidiary of Tesla. Thank you very much. I mean, it's very different to say where you're going to get $30,000 rather than where you're going to get $130,000. Right. It's it's definitely worth considering if you are looking for a car. But if you don't drive very much, get a gas car. Gas car doesn't use much energy. Right. It doesn't, use, doesn't cost anything if you're not driving it. Um, we can put my email on the podcast, zvetter at mac.com is fine. But the point is that like, there's all sorts of great stuff. We got the solar water system we built. There's a lot of energy efficiency things I can talk about. I'm happy to talk to people about it, but I'm not going to go out there and preach the word of God. Right. Because they're just going to get mad at me. <laughs> I like this I like this format because I'm able to talk to people with different opinions and have interesting dialogues. I think this has been an interesting, very interesting episode. I like the fact that you dove in and you didn't play around with uh, dancing about the bushes. You just threw a rock right in to see what would happen. Yeah. I like I, that. I wanted to see where people are at. Yeah. You know? And I think it's, I think the audience for this podcast are open-minded. Who is your audience out of curiosity? I'm curious to know. I haven't had a chance to hear. It's... Dudes in their 30s and 40s. You get feedback. I do. And I have some very like some loyal fans who are very like, oh, this week was good. This week was it. This blah, blah, blah. Um, are I, most of them this, this way where you jump in and ask topics about social issues and things like this? Or is this a different one? Different one? Or is it a little bit different? Every now, time? Have you haven't heard them before? I no, guess. again, I, I just, I, I will once we get off. I'm going to go yeah. back and listen to them all because yeah. I don't do much in the way of podcasts because I'm a crotchety old no, man. No, I ask, I'm always asking about, I ask about faith a lot. I ask about, um, you know the old phrase, right? What's the two ways to make an educated, intelligent, rational person turn into a, a raving lunatic? No, what? Politics and religion. Right. So I have a client, a lot of them are older, and he would he we would go to lunch all the time. He just enjoyed you know provoking people, I think, but it was fun to watch. I don't talk about it on tour in my show because no, it's a risk. everyone's tightens up when you bring that stuff You're up. You're just asking for problems. Yeah. And again, even if you convert them, Right. It doesn't change the issue. 
Right. Right. It doesn't right. mean give up. It just means what hill do you want to die on? <laughs> yeah. That's Some true. people want to die on that hill. Um, but you know what? This speaking of hills, this podcast has been a hill of smiles. A hill of smiles. A hill of beans. I'm gonna say hill of beans. I'm glad to see you, Zach. Uh, good to see you too, Andrew. I'm smiling. Thank you so much for having me on there. Zach Vetter, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Talk to you later. Peace. No, so usually um, I go right into a song after the interview. And for today, I wanted to play like a throwback radio thing from 20 plus years ago where Zach was a guest on a radio show I did with my friend Chris Gates. Well, we're going to interview the junior campers up in here. We've got Timmy. Timmy, what do you want to say to the people? Well, the woods are really scary because I don't have my mommy near me. That's right. See, Timmy, we, we chose him because he has a bit of a problem. You see, he hit puberty at about age four. So he's the only junior camper up here that has hair on his legs and chest. And, and he's got a very low voice. He's got a really low voice. So, t- Timmy, how does that feel to be outcasted and laughed at by the other children? You shouldn't say such things about that. I, that that's not nice to say. My mom, my mommy. Well, there's no denying the fact that you're a freak of nature. And you're also, you're, no. al- you're also small. No, no, I'm, I'm bigger than you. You're, you're just mean. Do you want to fight me? No, no. So you're a wussy, wussy okay. shorty boy. Okay, Timmy, we've had just about enough of you. Get back in your cage and eat your gruel. No. Oh, oh, all right. And we'll make you sing some songs later. Okay. Well, okay. in light of Timmy, <laughs> we're going to do a song called Stand By Me. Really? Do you know this one, Andrew? Oh, yeah. Did you ever see the movie called Stand By Me? I didn't see it. Well, if any of you did, you might recognize this song. So this one is going out to Timmy, because Timmy's hilarious. Timmy, you want to sing the chorus with us? Okay. Do you know the chorus, Timmy? No, but I can. T- you can teach me. Okay, it goes like this. It goes like this. When the night is cold and the land is dark and the moon is the only light we'll see though I won't be afraid no I won't be afraid just as long as you stand stand by me so Timmy Timmy stand stand Timmy stand Singing on keep, freak. <laughs> Timmy, stand by us. Oh, Timmy, stand. Stand. Timmy, stand. Stand. Timmy, stand. Stand. Timmy, just stop. Look, you're embarrassing us on the show. Andrew, you keep going. Timmy, I'm going to give you a talk to. No, listen, please. listen. We, you know, we paid for your and food. And the sky. We drove you up we here look in the upon. bus. You can't even sing on key. You look, nice look, you don't have any friends. You sit at the no, lunch please. table by yourself and no. cry every day. That's right. You think we're trying to do something nice for you. you can I won't cry. Forever, I won't cry. Oh, I won't Fine. shed a good, tear. Good just as long Mom, as, as you stand. Stand, stand by, by me. me. Stand by me, Timmy. What, what did you say to him? Oh, I told him he was doing a great job. Yeah, because it's good to encourage the kids. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, there's this thing called positive reinforcement. I think it works we're gonna well. well, we're going to get the kids to sing one more song, and then we're going to wrap it up. And so here we go. The kids are going to sing another one of their songs.
Thank you, Zach. Great interview. And a lot of you probably wondering, what was that thing at the end? What the heck was that? Um, my friend Chris Gates and I, he's a podcast alum. He's been on the podcast. We used to do the show called Morning Madness on KSBB, which was, which is the radio station for this school we went to high school at. And KSBB, we, Chris and I would have a show every Friday morning. And back in the day when people like listen to the radio more, um, I guess people still do, but people would listen to our show on the way into school. And Friday was such an exciting day to have a show because everyone was listening. So we did that as part of the skit for Morning Madness. So maybe I should have explained that in the intro, but I thought, no, I'll just put it on, see what happens. And now, because you listen to the end, you understand why that happened. Okay, uh, next week we have an interview with Tribe One. I sat down with Niles when we were in Atlanta and Tribe One is a great friend, great performer. He opened for us at the Atlanta show. I love him to death. Check that out. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you soon. This is MC Lars. Wash your hands, everyone. Wash your hands. It's going to be okay. I promise. It's going to be okay. I want to leave you with that positive note. All right. Bye, everyone. Love you.